0: Connecting Indigenous musicians and artists to the world. Welcome to Indigenous Superstars with your host, Rhonda Head.
1: Tansi, everybody. Welcome to Indigenous Superstars. I'm coming to you live from Begetti, Manitoba, the heart of the pasquia Cree nation. And uh, just want to let you know that, that we're... Um, streaming live on, on YouTube. You can go check out my YouTube site and subscribe and like it, and that way you'll never miss the show, Plus, you can see all the past shows on my YouTube channel. We're also on the group page, Indigenous Superstars, on my fan page, Rhonda Head, and I'm, I'm on my personal page, and also my Twitter account, which is Rhonda underscore Head. So welcome to this week's show. I have a really awesome guest uh, for you this evening, like I usually do every week. Uh, but but um last week I had a really beautiful I hosted a really beautiful um concert called Music is a Medicine, Healing for a Act. And we put the we we wanted to do it to get people to send prayers for our community and not only for Manitoba, but right across Canada and throughout the world, because we're all facing uh, COVID nineteen and we're all in this together. And I want to thank all the people that tuned in and sent sent prayers for for the people. And and we know as Indigenous people that that prayers really really do work. And and uh, so please keep praying praying for our communities. Uh, I, I'd let, I want to thank the musicians that that uh, took part in the concert: Kenny Henderson, Desiree Dorian, Sherry Shorting, Jerry Saretta, JC Campbell, Clint dudium Cindy Paul, Gabriela Ayala, Murray Porter, and Northern Cree. And and uh, I really, really really want to thank them again because they really made the show extra special. And they're the ones that, that brought in the joy and and the their healing um the healing power of music. And we really felt it that night. And it was so such a beautiful concert. And thank you so much for 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 um Tuning in with us. So this week I have a really awesome guest, and, and I met her on the music trail, and we've become friends ever since. And uh she she makes some really wonderful music. And I'm gonna read, just read her bio. And and this week's musical guest is Mo Clark. And Mo Clark is a multidisciplinary Métis artist, looping pedal mistress, spoken word poet, educator, artistic producer, public speaker, and activist. Mo Clark is a nomadic songbird with wings woven from circle singing and spoken word. Mistress of the looping pedal, which is very true. (laughs) She creates sonic landscapes of layered voice that invite audiences into a trance-like space. Her poetic songs soar through these landscapes with tonal and lyrical resonance. In music collaborations, Moe's intuitive and sensual approach to vocal improvisations pulls from soul, gospel, folk, and spoken word genres. She's trained with the likes of Rhiannon, Bobby McFerrin's Voistra, Pura Faye from Yulali, and David Smuckler later approach. So please welcome my beautiful, talented friend, Mo Clark. Hey, Mo.
0: Hey, hi. how are you?
1: Uh,
0: you know, I'm good. That's, uh, that's, good. Oh,
2: that's an old bio of mine, but hey, that's cool. <laughs> I feel that's like awesome. as artists, we're constantly reinventing ourselves. And so like, how to keep up to date with all of the, the different online presences that we have. But
1: yeah, that's true. Thanks, we're yeah, we're always reinventing our. You're so true. You're so right when you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, how did you get inspired to get into music?
2: I mean, I feel like music, in a lot of ways, was my first language. I often tell that to people um, because before I knew how to speak, I knew how to sing, and I knew how powerful and how much medicine was carried in music. And that really came from family. Um, so, you know, in spite of all of the issues of uh, growing up Métis and, and, you know, the fragmentation of, of being from these, these various family um, ties, you know, we always had the campfire. We always had the singing and the songs around the fire. And to me, those were moments of like joy. And, and love, uh, you know, Sagito, And that was like the love. So I think for me, it was like being able to share in that way. And then the more that I started to see that I, I could sing and I really loved it and, and it was fun, the more that I also started to see how much of a connection that it brought into my life when actually I was really shy and I was really quiet and, and quite an anxious little kid. So it was like through singing that I could actually reach people and that I felt like I was being reached as well. Um, So I've I've always been singing and it wasn't until more recent that, well, about 20 years ago now, you know, you say recent because like at one point it was a few years ago, but now it's like almost 20 years ago, getting old, um, that I started playing the drum and that I started to bring in like the looping pedal and space pedal and all of my other, you know, tools. And, and I just call them all technology, you know, like the, the drum is just as much a technology as something that you plug into a wall, um, you know, through the electricity, because it all, it all contains a spirit. And so I think for me using these tools
1: helps me to connect with, with spirit. as well. Nice. So, so you started in the music industry 20 years ago. Is that when you got, uh, got really into music?
2: I guess in the music industry, not so much. I don't even know if I'm even in the music industry yet. I think just the the notion of an industry is weird to me. Um, I think that, like, I've always been singing and performing maybe more professionally where I get paid for it sometimes, you know. Uh, probably in my early twenties, um, and so I've I've kind of always flip flopped between music and performance and spoken word and poetry. Like I really came into kind of my professional performer voice and presence through spoken word poetry, and then slowly kind of transformed and segued into more music and musical collaborations. And I still move between those realms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually have a a degree in in visual arts. So, you know, very much informed by the the physical and by the visual and like kind of sensory world as well. Um, But I started, I guess, my career in Calgary, which is where I was born and raised. And then now 13 years I've lived in Montreal. And so that's really when I decided to take the step to become more of a professional artist. I had just um, created my first album and so i launched it in calgary right after attending the bamp center for the first time and then i flew across the country to montreal had you know barely a dime to my name but like a couple of boxes of cd's <laughs> anybody who's <laughs> a musician knows it's like you don't necessarily have a lot of goods but you've got your music in whatever form you know maybe you can make a make your
1: rent <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So I'm gonna give you the the uh, screen, and we can hear your your first uh, song. Okay.
2: So um, dance ni ni Um, so um, for the last seven years, in collaboration with two of my elders, uh, Cheryl Rondell and Josephine Tauhau. Um, We've been creating songs in Nehyawewin, in Plains Cree, one of my ancestral languages. And more recently, I've started to learn Michif, um, which is a beautiful mix of Nehyawewin and French and a lot more complicated in a lot of ways. Um, But I wanted to share a song that we actually created in the, the dialect of Northern Cree, um, thinking about Rhonda and thinking about a Pasquayak when Rhonda and I were talking before the beginning of this, and um, this is very much a song about Kiwet um, Nok, the northern direction in Kiwet, which I learned from you know Cheryl and Joseph is the going home wind, and just thinking about you know us entering into winter and into these difficult times, and you know we you know, as Northern people would, would have used that wind as our kind of beaconing, as our homing point. And so in a way, you know, I was talking about Métis floral beat work today and the idea that the more complex the motif, the more challenging the life experience. And so this song um, wasn't necessarily written in a challenging time, but it was written inspired by and in honor of Northern people of the medicines, of story, of the medicines of laughing and of being together as much as we can. And so it's called Kiwe Inuk.
0: Ta-ta-pa-pa-wa, kwe-ta-te-kwe-we do o twa me ta me-ta-ne-gi-do So-ke-ko-te-wa-mash-ke-ki-ya Ka-ga-ta-wa-se, ka de batchi no te wa
1: kata
0: wo tsukete tonai mi dosuke goto wa mushika ya kagato wa se
1: much I love that song it's about where mm-hmm. I live <laughs> yeah it really is like I'm, yeah.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm vicariously living the northern lights through a song <laughs> um,
1: that's what I was imagining when, when, uh, that's what I was imagining when you were um singing that song was the northern lights dancing in the sky bright green and beautiful yeah, yeah, thank you yeah, right for sharing
2: that. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm wearing my my Northern Lights earrings. That was made by a, a young Métis artist, um, Juliet Mackie. Feeling feeling yeah. the energy of that like nighttime sky and that nighttime presence these days, especially with the shorter days. So yeah, how, how do we use song and and how do we use these resonances and these these medicines that we have to help us through the night, to help us through the
1: dark times? Yeah. Yeah, they're beautiful, beautiful earrings. Maybe I'll have to order some.
2: <laughs> yeah, get your Métis swag. <laughs> I feel like everybody's ordering so many earrings. It's like all the uh, all the artisans, all the indigenous artisans, are like mm-hmm. running out of stock
1: because we're all here's like, my earrings.
0: <laughs> oh, beautiful! My cousin,
1: I bought them off my cousin. They're uh, missing and murdered indigenous. Oh, okay. Well, you know, the red right oh, hand for missing and murdered indigenous women.
0: Beautiful. Alex Wilson said,
1: "Hi, I'm hi, I'm hi, hi. hi. love your music,
2: Tensei, aw, oh, good to see you here."
1: And Veronica yeah, said, "Awesome. We're both both uh, well, they're both from my community of Opaqueak. Thank you for tuning in, uh, Veronica Laughlin and Alex Wilson." And and I just wanted to bring up bring up a story about um, that last time I was in Montreal and we hung out together. And remember we went to that that show at, at the, like their concert hall there there was a Persian group yeah. once.
2: I took you to the orchestra. We went and saw the um it was the mix of like Sufi music, right? I think it was like with the
1: dervishes, the spinning. Yeah. It was so like I just loved it. And then and I remember when we were way up in the, in the stands there watching, I see do you remember I seen a ghost? Yeah. <laughs> rock, rock, rock. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, Mo! Look at that ghost! <laughs> it just went strolling right across the the stage while the show was going on.
2: <laughs> That's what you said. I remember that. But you know what? You're not the first Cree from the West to come and visit Montreal and to see ghosts. Joseph was staying at an Airbnb like just north of my house, and he called me up like the first night he was here, and he's like, "There's a ghost in this place." <laughs> I was like, "Do you have any candles? You know, you gotta escort the ghost out of the house. Like, you're not here anymore, buddy." But I guess that ghost. I, totally, kind of
1: believe him. Him. <laughs> I totally believe him. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I remember. Oh, I and then, that. and then, uh, yeah, and then that concert that was so awesome. Thank you for taking me there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I want to bring up something like I uh, that I read in your in your um website uh, it, it, and not too many people can actually say that say this about them so that you're a TEDx speaker in Montreal mm-hmm. can you tell us about
0: that?
2: yeah well it's actually funny um because I wasn't supposed to be a speaker I was just supposed to be like the musical kind of interlude. Um, This was back in 2012, I guess. They contacted me and they said they'd heard about my music and they wanted to have me in for just like a seven to 10 minute spot to kind of segue between the speakers. And TEDx isn't a paid gig, you know, and it's, it's quite a bit of work and a lot of preparation. And I said, well, you know what, like I have a story to tell as well. And so if I'm going to come and if I'm going to be a part of this, I want you to give me the full 17 minutes like everybody else gets. And I want to speak and I want to tell a bit of of my story. And uh, so they let me. You know, so I think I was like nestled between like a scientist and somebody developing some revolutionary technology of, I think, how to take like kombucha scobies, you know, like the kombucha mamas and like turn it into rubber as a way to, you know, save the rainforest and stuff. So, yeah, I I got to go on to TEDx um, back then and I got to share my story. And it was a beautiful opportunity to also bring spoken word um, poetry into a different place as well. Cause I feel like as an oral tradition um, in the literary world, it's, um, is that Rhonda? That is Rhonda. Um, In the, in the, in the, in the literary world, you know, spoken word is sort of considered like the lower art form, you know, next to like novels and um, the written word. And so, you know, it was also another way for me to say, hey, like our oral traditions matter and uh, we need to celebrate them. Um, And it was the same thing when I did Turtle Island Reads. You know, it's a CBC thing where they promote different Indigenous authors. And I said I wanted to promote Leanne Simpson um, when she released This Accident of Being Lost. And of course, it's a book of short stories and poetry. And there's an accompanying album of music. And there's music videos where she collaborated with all these amazing Indigenous artists. And so to me, that piece was way more like relational than maybe just like highlighting a novel. And they said that I wasn't, I couldn't promote Leanne. (laughs) I was like, oh, come on, like, I don't have time to read a whole novel, you know? (laughs) And, and I made my claim. And again, they said, okay, you know, like that's legitimate, you know, like we're trying to promote indigenous uh, writing and indigenous words and stories to younger people. And, you know, Leanne Simpson's short stories and poetry is really accessible and uh, it's relatable, you know? And so, and furthermore, it furthers like, you know, the oral tradition as, as having a value and, and having a place. So. Yeah, so I've done TEDx a couple times. The other time was was mayhem, so we won't get into that, but
1: <laughs> yeah. well, there's another amazing um fact that I want to bring up about you and I want the audience to know is that that you were commissioned by the Olympic team in, in uh and went to London. Can you yeah. tell us about that?
2: <laughs> That's kind of like one of those things, you know. I think I did it for like my childhood self, like You know, and even when I told my parents, they were like, wow, you've really made it, you know, like, didn't matter that I had, you know, produced, recorded, written an entire body of my own work and created this album that I'd been touring and traveling the world, you know, I'd been to Brazil and done all this like social kind of, you know, ethical work around music, it was like, that was the big thing, you know, making it to the Olympics. <laughs> but I, I think it also like it played into like my sense of like when I was little, I was a runner, you know, and I and I used to kind of dream of like being, you know, the, the big runner, the kind of Olympic athlete. And so to be commissioned to write a piece, it was for the athletes, um, which also felt nice because it was speaking to those who are out there, the performers, you know, like living and really moving in these dynamic ways and having to practice their butts off and having to really sacrifice a lot in order to bring their gifts into the world. Uh, So I connected in that way. And funny enough, I got to go to, you know, one of their, you know, training sessions and uh, take notes. And I was kind of like an under undercover, like poet spy. Like I couldn't tell anybody what I was doing because they wanted it to be this big surprise. (laughs) <laughs> and we ended up we ended up hanging out with the Beach Boys one night. We were staying oh, at this hotel in Mississauga and I, you know, was coming back from the gathering and I kept seeing this big grand piano in the hall. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna play a tune. And so I sat down and I played a song. And pretty soon like a little posse kind of formed. And these old guys walked in with this woman wearing this long velvet black gown. And I was like, who are these people? And the guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, can I have a seat? You know, can I play a song? And me being kind of, you know, sassy, I was like, who are you? You know, like you're taking over. <laughs> and he's like, I'm, the, I'm with the Beach Boys, you know. And he was wearing like this this cap that said Beach Boys. Like I was like, okay, a little A little, um, you know, a little on the nose. Anyways, he sits down and he starts playing. Uh
1: Uh-oh. Mo, you're froze. You froze Mo, so we didn't get to hear the end of that story. (laughs) Rhonda? Are you there? Okay, you know what? We didn't get to hear sure the end of that story.
2: That's okay. We lost you for a second.
1: Yeah, you you froze. But you you, you were about to tell us that he played a song. Can you, which song did he play?
2: Well, funny enough, in order for him to prove to me that he was one of the Beach Boys, I asked him to play a song off of Holland, which was not one of their more famous albums. Uh, I think it was a little bit more like obscure. And Mm -hmm. totally did. And then, you know, we just played songs and kind of partied with the Beach Boys. Anyways, all that to say, then I got to write the piece. And um, they invited me to come to London. And um, I got to perform it in the Athletes' Village. And I got to meet, like, a bunch of the athletes and sort of experience the chaos of being in London. And then I actually traveled around with my my partner at the time. And we visited uh, the Sacred Sites. So going to London for the Olympics also got me a trip to go see, you know, Stonehenge and Avesbury and Glastonbury and like really connect with the sacred sites and the land out there.
1: That's awesome. That's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. So there's <laughs> one, one more question I have for you. Uh, you you recently did a tour of the world, like when, when pre-COVID, I guess. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah. So my um my current sweetie lives in sydney australia <laughs> let's just take a moment of silence um so i i haven't seen her since march um but before that you know it was always it was about sort of finding any ways to to get over there and to be able to connect and so um, I was hosting a performance series for the Blue Metropolis Festival here in Montreal. And it was different indigenous artists from around the world, including Bruce Pascoe uh, from Australia and Melanie Manungar Williams, a brilliant young spoken word poet. And so through these connections, um, I met uh, another artist uh, who hosts a festival in uh, Sydney and his name is escaping me right now. Anyways, and so he invited me to come across to Australia and to share at this word, word travels or story fest, story fest. And that included a three week residency in Bundanon, wow. which was amazing, beautiful, kind of outback, like it kind of reminded me of the plains. Uh, You know, there's kangaroos hopping around, fighting one another outside your window. I had wombats (laughs) living underneath my little cabin. And, you know, the bowerbird who collects like the blue objects to make his nest to attract the females. They were all over. And it was on the land of the Saltwater River. So the um, Shoalhaven River. And so, yeah, I got to spend some time there and, and work on some pieces that were really focusing on understanding the relationships between fire and water and more specifically ice. Uh, So, you know, being someone from the North from like the ice and the land of water versus the Australian Aboriginal people who have a very different relationship with fire um, Mm -hmm. and like their traditional methods of burning. And this was just before the forest fires um, and all the fires of Australia. So it felt a little, prophetic to really be focusing on fire and on these traditional methods of ensuring the wellness of the ecosystems and of the forests. Um, And so I got to perform at the Sydney Opera House and my partner, who's a dancer, danced with me and shared some of this work. And then we got to travel to Indonesia, to Ubud. They have a writer festival and then on to Singapore and to Hong Kong. Uh, so it was a really interesting trip and I learned a lot and I missed home horribly. And I think that was partially because the last stop um, was during a lot of the protests in Hong Kong. And so it was a really unsettled time and I kind of ended up in the middle of it. Um, so it was it was challenging in ways of being like an, a, pers- a solo Artist, traveler, you know, finding that sense of independence, but then really not knowing the customs, not knowing the language of the people and of the space. Um, But it's, you know, we got to do what we got to do. And and so I was able to bring music and poetry into those spaces and um, also meet a lot of beautiful artists and people. And I think Indonesia, you know, I would love to go back to Ubud, Indonesia, and and to connect with some of some of those kin again. Um, really, really beautiful place and beautiful people. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's incredible, and and that's the beauty of music. We get to travel and share it with. We share our love of music with the world, and that that's one that's one of the my favorite things. Being a musician, and I can't wait for the world to to heal and for us to travel again and start sharing our music with the world again. So, but for now we're doing this virtually and, and it's still, the music is still, is still getting out there even though that we're, uh, we're not um, singing to live performances for live audiences anymore. So I, I,
2: right. Yes, singing to a screen definitely (laughs) has its time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. So um before we get into your 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 next performance, can you tell us about what a looping pedal is?
2: Yeah, sure. Hang on, maybe I can um I can
1: unclip
2: and I can show you all a little bit. So here is, oh, I don't know how to switch my screen. Okay, well, here's the looping pedal and my kind of chaotic workstation. Um so this is a, a looping pedal. It's got like five different um, looping channels here and you can kind of control the levels and you can store different tracks and you've got filters and stuff. And then I pair that with this amazing space pedal that has a bunch of different settings. So one of my favorite settings is this one, black hole.
0: (laughs) 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 Um,
2: And then I like to mix that with a lot of my kind of more, you know, traditional instruments, some of these amazing rattles, um, you know, that I've gotten from different parts of the world. So for me, it's it's, awesome. it's about, you know, being able to to mix. Oh, goodness, something's going wrong with the black hole. Uh, being able to, oh, geez, sorry. I on a second here. Oh, gosh. You know, I feel like as an artist, too, like we have, you know, so.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Can you we just see, have
1: to see. Yeah, we have to troubleshoot just like that, right? <laughs> okay, I'm giving you the screen.
2: <laughs> okay, so I wanted, to, um, I wanted to share a piece. It's uh, more poetry. And um, hang on a second, just adjusting my settings again. Um, and so it's with the looping pedal. I think I tapped something by accident. I don't know what's going on here. That's okay. Um, I'm just going to turn it off. So yeah, I'm going to use the looping pedal. A lot of these pieces, um, I've already pre-recorded some of the loops into the looping pedal, uh, through a very, you know, long process of listening and and kind of meditating and, and a lot of improvisation and, uh, You know, reminds me of Veronica Johnny, amazing artist from the north. Uh, You know, we were teaching in uh, Northwest Territories for the Rainbow Coalition of Yellowknife. And that was the first time I ever heard the concept of song catching. Kind of like being a midwife to spirit and a midwife or, you know, uh, somebody who receives the, the birth, who receives the creation. Um, So in a lot of ways, the Looping Pedal is really about that. Uh, And and for me, it's also about exploring like layers of sound, layers of meaning. Uh, And I used to always sing with a lot of choirs and multiple voices. So it's a perfect way, especially during COVID, uh, to spend a lot of time on your own and still be able to kind of move through and explore harmony and dissonance and, you know, circle singing. So this piece uh, I wrote a little while ago and I hope you enjoy it.
0: And wounded ancestor sitting next to the graveside of sky. A tremorous eruption of primordial heat that danced through skin and bone and flesh and beyond. I come from the backwoods speaking woman who pirouettes forward and dreams her screaming emptiness, her raging delight. Thunder in my belly, lightning in my head,
1: full of grace for being born from something, anything. Thunder in my belly, lightning in my head, full of grace for being born
0: from something, anything. Thunder in my belly, lightning in my head, full of grace for being born from something, anything. Thunder in my belly, lightning in my head, for the price for being born from something, anything. They peer back at me from way over there, from everywhere, and just right here. Blood on their tongues, calling out, I shot with care, knowing in an instant I may return or already have. A chalky pink rose in my hand, smell of buffalo sage under my soles,
2: wet with courage and prairie rain. The smell of
0: the mountains in the moonlight,
1: thunder in my belly, lightning in my hair.
0: Full of grace for the graceful being born from something, anything. Thunder in my belly, lightning in my head, what a place for being born from something, anything from love, no, love, no, love, no, love, no, love, no, love, no. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That was beautiful. Thank you. That was so awesome. I loved it. It just took me away. Mm. Yeah, it's all about
2: like the journey, you know. Like you're telling me, I I this for like hours and hours. (laughs) That's beautiful. I might not be good at meditating like in silence, but I can meditate in sound and that's like totally all right with me. But I might
1: take a couple
2: couple lessons in opera singing from you, Rhonda.
1: Oh, okay. Sounds good. (laughs) So where can people find your music online?
2: Um, I have a Bandcamp page. I um, I have a couple things on Spotify and iTunes, but to be totally honest, I'd rather people buy it off of Bandcamp because then I actually get a little bit of the funds myself. So I have some of my tracks on Bandcamp or most of them, and I'm going to be releasing some more soon. And then in the new year, I'm actually going to be releasing an album of songs in Nehyawe Win. Um, So some of the music that we've been writing and creating, uh, we've been recording and hopefully we can finish the recording (laughs) as soon as um, COVID softens to be able to then release those songs. So that'll be 12 songs in the language, including the one that I started today off with.
1: Beautiful. Awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing that. I totally look forward to hearing
2: that.
1: So do you have any parting words?
2: I just want to say thank you so much, Rhonda, for your generosity and your beauty. And um, you hold space so well. So thanks for having me. I feel so grateful to be the 43rd artist on this. Indigenous <laughs> superstars. This should be yeah. like, oh, this is like its own like kind of reality series over here. You know, this is the reason. <laughs> yeah, it's I so yeah, I yeah.
1: think so too. Yeah.
2: And just prayers to prayers to all the families and communities uh, of Pasquayak included and all across this country um, who are, who are working through and, and healing from what's happening right now. So my prayers are with you.
1: Thank, thank you, you so Alan.
2: much. I got the double part.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I want to thank uh, the people that tuned in with us this evening and made comments this on, on, uh, on the show, like Alex Wilson, Veronica Laughlin, Michelle Paul, thank you for uh, commenting, and we're um, always uh, we're always appreciative, the artists and myself, that, that you tune in and, and make the real positive, awesome comments, and hopefully we we uplifted you this half hour, and uh, I just want to let people know that the next guest on Thursday is Relic from from uh, Edmonton, A.K.A. Uh, Bill LeBlanc. So he's, he has some really new music coming out, and I uh, can't wait to, to, for, for you to hear his music. So I want to say thank you for tuning in again, and Kisagi-Tin, and stay safe. Hey, hi. Hey. Tune in again next
0: time when Rhonda interviews another up-and-coming Indigenous superstar, only on Indigenous Superstar.